Hi, everyone, and welcome to Focus Forward, an executive function podcast where we explore the challenges and celebrate the wins you'll experience as you change your life by working on improving your executive function skills. I'm your host, Hannah Choi. Yay! I am so excited to bring you today's show. As a parent and an official member of the Brain Nerd Club, I am totally geeking out about my guest, Dr. Allison Roy. Allison is a licensed clinical psychologist, and she loves the brain and teaching people about it even more than I do. I first heard her speak during the pandemic, and her presentations on the brain and trauma and stress and parenting were just exactly what I needed at that time, and I still use what I learned from her even today. When I had the opportunity to see her speak again recently, I knew I had to get her on Focus Forward so you all could listen and learn from her too. In our conversation about stress and how our brains are impacted by it, Allison shared some really practical things that we can do to manage that stress and stay in our thinking brains. You know, that prefrontal cortex you've heard me mention, oh, a billion times. This way, we can use our executive function skills to improve and maintain our relationships with the people in our families and make parenting a little easier. If you're not a parent or a caregiver of kiddos, I encourage you to listen anyway, especially to the first part. Most of the advice that Allison shares really does apply to all of us. I truly hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I enjoyed being a part of it. Now, on to the show. Hi, Allison. Thank you so Hi. much for coming today to talk with me about the brain and uh, parenting and executive function skills. Um, I am just going to share with the listeners a little bit about how I met you. Um, I During the pandemic, you gave some presentations, virtual presentations through yes. our public school system. And I'm not kidding when I say that those presentations and the way that you presented it made just like a massive difference for me and my family during the pandemic. And actually get emotional when I think about it because like that was such a difficult time, but learning, learning about the brain and learning about what some actual like real things that I could do that would make a difference made such a difference. And it also really informed my coaching and it just informed my, um, my, I already really loved the brain. So it just like reinforced that. So thank you so yeah. much for of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then we were reconnected recently when you spoke again yes. um, at our, uh, for a parent presentation and again in our school systems, which was excellent. Yeah. And uh, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Of course. I'm really excited to be here. Um, and yeah. it's so fun to be able to do stuff virtually when you're not, you know, I'm in New Hampshire and it's not always, you know, right down the road. So it's nice to be able to connect to different places and areas of the world. Um, with this yeah. And still so one thing having... that, that pandemic gave us. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And it's amazing. You can still have such an impact on someone's life, even virtually. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Um, so would you uh, introduce yourselves to the listeners and explain a little bit about your background? 
Yeah, so my name is Dr. Allison Roy. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist in the state of New Hampshire. I'm located in Exeter, New Hampshire, which is right on the seacoast area of New Hampshire. Um, and I've been a psychologist for about two decades now, and I've practiced all over the world. I've had really cool opportunity to live in Europe and live in Asia and um, learn a lot and see a lot and experience a lot um, as a psychologist, but also as a mom and um, as, as a family. So two of my kids were born overseas. And so it's been a really fun adventure to kind of just see the world and um, learn a lot about um, human brains everywhere. Um, as Hannah said, I'm a total brain nerd. I love um, understanding the neuropsychology or neurobiology of um what's going on when we're having real life experiences. It's validating to know that there's really things happening in our brain as to why we're feeling or thinking or doing in that moment. Um, I specialize actually in post-traumatic stress disorder and trauma. Um, and that's how um, I got called upon quite a bit during the pandemic because we were all kind of going through something. It was the first time we could really say that we were, had a global trauma or stressful event. And so a lot of districts, um, school districts did right by the parents in their district and invited experts in to talk about why this was really hard. Um, and it continues to be hard. We're all still healing from those couple of years. So I'm excited to come on today and talk about what that might look like in your own home. And hopefully it's validating and it acknowledges you know, some of what you experience every day. And, um, and yeah, we'll do a little, little brain learning together too. So Cool. Thank you. Yeah, the yeah. validation piece was really important um, for me when you gave that presentation. It, it made me feel better about like, why am I feeling this way? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. It made a yes, lot more sense. And reason. I felt like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I felt like I could um, forgive myself a little bit, which, um, which yes. felt really good. So Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, I'm so, a mom too, so I get it. I get it. Yes. I see little guys, so yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. You do get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would love for you to um, kind of just maybe even just do the same presentation that you did before, because even though I knew um, a lot of what you shared, just hearing it, there's something about the way that you present all the information that just makes it really accessible and understandable. So would you share with sure. our listeners what you've taught Absolutely. so many people about the brain and stress and I would love to, to manage of course. It all. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> it's my favorite thing to talk about the brain. Um, I'm going to pull up some slides, just mostly um, as I was, you know, we were chatting before we got on today the and started recording. Um, I really just need help um, staying on track, actually. So, <laughs> so yep. um, it's helpful for me to have some slides to look at um, so that I stay focused. So and, um, um, and I, I will wanted... before you start. I just want to yes. say that um, I will share uh, these graphics in the show notes for anyone who's yes. listening, so you yeah. can look along if you'd like. Absolutely, yeah. There's not going to be. There's going to be three slides. I think three or four. Maybe that will be good to kind of um, check out. So, um, but I'll do my best to make it feel like you're looking at something, even if you're just listening to us today. So, um, so let's talk about this human brain of ours and what happens when we experience stressful events. Um, and these stressful events can come in a variety of ways. So certainly you'll hear me talk about, um, we're gonna, this is really what we're going to talk about today is that fight, flight, or freeze reaction that we have. And so we think about this a lot when we think about life-threatening situations. So I always use the universally scary situation for all of us of being chased by a bear, because I feel like I don't know if there's a human on this planet that wouldn't find that to be intimidating. So 
um, if you're being chased by a bear, you want this system to kick in and save your life. Um, however, which is great, right? We have this great human system to, to do that for us, to, to, to save our lives. Um, however, your human brain does that reaction, that fight, flight, or freeze reaction um, for many different reasons. And it could be that in um, a singular moment, you've something um, alerts your brain. And we're going to talk about how that would all the things that happen in that millisecond in your brain alerts your brain to like, oh, this is a life or death situation when it's not actually and you have that reaction. Your brain can also be pushed into that fight, flight or freeze mode very gradually. Um, so I call it the slow build or the fast punch. So it can happen in a fast punch type of way, like being chased by a bear or having a um, in the moment reaction. Um, or it could be that slow build where you've had a stressful week and um, just one more thing happens and you feel like you kind of fly off the handle or go into that flight, flight or freeze mode. So again, this this part of our brain is is really amazing and we want it to work because it saves our lives. It just can be a little frustrating when it's a really active system, that fight, flight, or freeze system's activating a lot or too much. Um, and we're being pushed into this red brain zone that we're going to talk about in a minute. So let's talk about these three zones. Um, if you're uh, uh, listening to this podcast regularly, you know a lot about that green zone up there, that executive functioning zone, that frontal lobe. That's where all of our beautiful executive functions are housed. Um, and we only have access to our whole, all the colors of the brain when we're at rest and digest, what we call rest and digest, when we're at rest, um, when we're not stressed, when we're not thinking of a million things or running around or doing a bunch of errands or, um, you know, have a project due at work and all the, all the things are happening. So when we're, when we're at rest, we have access to our full brain. Um, so in other words, you don't need to have a diagnosis of ADHD in order to have the frontal lobe part of your brain be impacted and have a, a difficult time with some of your executive functions um, because stress, stress interferes with your ability to really access those at their full potential. So that's the green part of the brain. It's the first part of the brain that comes offline when we start to become stressed, unfortunately. Um, so the next part of the brain, next part down is called um, the kind of the blue brain or the emotional brain. Um, this part of the brain is all about feeling, not about rational thought. So I like to call this part of the brain the toddler section of the brain. <laughs> about a toddler, right? They're all about big big emotions, zero rational or logical thoughts. So that's really what the blue brain's all about um, and it needs the green brain in order to have that more rational or logical thought process. So when that green brain comes offline, you're left with a lot of emotions and those emotions dictate yeah, fight, flight, or freeze mode. And as you can probably imagine, if you're not connected to ration or logic um, and you start to have an experience that might be overwhelming, that emotion can overwhelm you and send you into that fight, flight, or freeze mode pretty easily. And then there's the red brain. Uh, the red brain is our survival brain, our reptilian brain. You've probably heard it called these things. Um, its sole job and purpose is to keep us alive. And so... Again, really cool part of the brain, really frustrating when it's, it's in the driver's seat too much. Um, and so what that part of the brain is engineered to do is uh, be in control of our heart rate, our respiration, our blood pressure, our sleep-wake cycles, and our um, satiation cues, whether we're hungry or we're thirsty. And that's it. So as you can probably imagine, you've heard this used before, right? Like, I can't even think about tomorrow. I just have to get through today. This is the kind of language we use when we're in that red brain um, or we're just not hungry 
because we're just so focused or so stressed on getting through that part of the day. Um, and so the red brain, when it takes over, really only wants you to focus on um, those kind of um, survival functions. It doesn't want you to focus on doing math or <laughs> um, <laughs> um, being organized or quite frankly, having empathy or compassion for others. So you can see how when you, you think about how you are as a human, when you're really stressed, we're not our best selves. Um, and so we, when we get pushed down into that red brain, that's the reason why that happens. So let's take a deeper look at, at how that happens. Um, it's, it's not something that we have control over and nor do we want to have control over it. Cause again, we want this to be the most um, instant automatic function that we have because it's survival based. And so again, if, right. if a bear pops out of the woods when you're hiking, you want to not think at all about your pot, you know, what you could do to, to get away. You want your body to kind of react naturally. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully you freeze, right? Running away or fighting a bear is not the option that you want. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully your body puts you into freeze <laughs> mode. And we're going to learn that um, we can go either way, fight or flight or freeze, um, and that we all have the ability to go either way. As I'm taught in a minute, I'm going to talk about those two kind of options and what they look like in real life. And you can think about yourself or your spouse or partner, or your own children, and kind of think about where they might fall. Because some of us tend to have an automatic stress response of either fight or flight or freeze. Um, but we have the ability to go either way. And sometimes it's dependent on the stimulus or what's happening in our environment mm -hmm. that pushes mm -hmm. us into that red brain. Um, okay, so when um, our amygdala, which is a very tiny structure, I say tiny but mighty, very tiny structure in our brain um, that is working constantly, it works um, about three to 10 times a second. If you've never experienced any a traumatic event, if you have any sort of traumatic event in your history or you're just having a really stressful week, your amygdala is hyperactive, hypersensitive. So it can be up to a scanning the room that you're in up to a hundred times a second. So very, very active. Wow. Um, so it's, um, it's like a smoke alarm or smoke detector. Um, so its job is to scan your environment and decide if anything in that environment is scary, upsetting, worrisome, overwhelming, uncertain, um, even ex like exciting. Um, so even really positive over like big emotions mm -hmm. can cause this amygdala to react. And the amygdala gets all its information to make this decision from your five senses. So it's, it's very, very connected to your five senses, meaning um, it uses smell, it uses um, temperature sense, so touch, temperature sensing, um, sight, sound. So um, I like to give the example of uh, one time I was, I was talking about this with, I work a lot with educators I was sitting in a room with educator with a group of educators, and um, we all I'm I'm quite literally talking about this slide and the smell of gas started to leak oh. into the room. And so you can see all every every adult in the room kind of gets a little wide-eyed and like starts looking around. That's your amygdala kind of going, um, something's going on here. I can yeah. smell the gas, and I know that means that this could potentially right. be a bad situation. So again, it's our five senses that tip off the amygdala. Um and have it kind of sound the alarm, for lack of better words, in our brain. And a cascade of actions and reactions happen very quickly. So again, this activates very quickly. You can think about when you um, get really upset. Um, I was talking the other day about when I get really upset or my kids get really upset, we're a family of door slammers. So we'll kind of stomp off and slam <laughs> a door. 
Um, and of course, if you had rational, logical thought happening, you would know not to slam the door. But in that moment, that's the way your body's releasing that reaction. Um, so that this cascade of actions and reactions start happening. Um, so the amygdala says, whoops, something's going on. It shuts down the green brain and most of the blue brain. Um, it kind of stops. I've seen the brain scans. It stops sending neuronal activity there. So those areas yeah. of the brain, um, when you look at like an fMRI or an MRI, you can see that the areas of the brain where there's neuronal activity happening, it's all colored. It's all lit up. Um, and when this happens, it goes completely dark. So we kind of shoop, go right down into this red brain because our brain is saying, I need to survive right now. I need to spend all my energy, all my neuronal activity just within this red brain to focus in this very moment on survival. So green brain and blue brain, mostly um, kind of shut down activity. Also, our left side of our brain goes completely offline as well. And the left side of the brain is where um, all the L's. So if you've ever read anything or learned with Dan Siegel at all, he's a great... Um, He's a great uh, person to uh, look up and kind of explore a little bit. The Whole Brain Child is his book. Um, it's one of his books. He has many, but great parenting books. Um, but he talks about all the L's are housed on the left side of the brain. Language, linear, logic, all these beautiful L's. Well, you lose them all when you go into this stress mode. <laughs> right. um, and so you lose your words. You can't put good sentences together. You can't have a good linear sense of time. So your kind of mental timeline gets all um, messed up. And so um, so all of this is, believe it or not, all of this has happening in that moment when you start to become stressed. Um, your memory processes also shift. So the way we remember things shifts very much to our five senses. And that's where we get kind of um, trauma triggers from is our, our brain latches on to those five senses in that moment. It doesn't remember things with language because the language centers aren't accessible. And we lose our words. Like I said, we lose our ability to have language. Um, in that moment. And certainly this is one of my favorite um, ways of looking at all those beautiful executive functions. So all of um, what you're seeing on this uh, screen is all of the executive functions list. So impulse control, um, be able to take turns, focus, concentrate, attend, have perspective taking, have empathy. All of that is is beautiful and a beautiful part of our human brain. Well, all of it goes out the window when we start to go down <laughs> into this red brain. Um, and so as you can probably imagine, as an adult, you know you know this, we have a fully developed frontal lobe by about 25-ish. Um, and so we have the best frontal lobe we could possibly have. So when we lose a lot of this in a stressful moment, we still have more capacity than a child does because a kiddo doesn't have that fully developed frontal lobe yet. And so when they go into stress brain, we really see some big reactions with very little logic or, or rational thinking. Um, and they tend to go on much longer, um, think epic temper tantrums because yes. <laughs> they don't have this ability to access um, any sort of frontal lobe functions. Um, okay, so last little part I'll talk about today, um, and maybe one more slide. But um, this this is um, so this is not my image, but you can see the um, the website that's on there. They have some great information as well um, around mental health, and just they have these graphics that they produce to be able to um, help people be able to talk about this stuff more. They just want to pr promote people talking about it, which is great. Um, and so. What I like about this is it shows in real life, and I'm going to talk about this, what it looks like when we're having that red brain reaction, that fight, flight, or freeze reaction. 
Um, and this is based on the polyvagal um, theory of the stress response system. Um, and that's Porges's theory. And again, if you Google polyvagal theory, you'll come up with lots of really fascinating information. There's volumes and volumes written about it. Um, and uh, it's my favorite way of kind of thinking about or talking about um, the stress response, because I feel like to me, when the first time I learned this, it was so incredibly validating because it just made the neuroscience make sense for real life. Yeah. Yep. Um, so let's look at this for a second. Um, so uh, in the middle, this, the person you see in the middle is at rest and digest, meaning there is no alarm bells going off with the amygdala. All parts of the brain are online um, and she's quite literally at rest and digest, which means- She looks happy heart- and relaxed. She looks happy. Yeah. This is what we want to be at, right? This is where I would hope we would spend most of our time. Um, so, you know, she's able to have a heart rate that's nice and even, uh, blood pressure's in good shape, respiratory system's in good shape, and she's quite literally able to digest her food. Um, I actually heard a really interesting NPR uh, story just coming out of the pandemic, so probably late last year. Um, when they were talking, they were interviewing primary care doctors who said they were prescribing antacids or digestive aids at at like a very high rate. And it makes sense because we spent so much time being stressed. Our digestive system is one of the first systems that will be implicated in that. So we can't digest our food if we're not, if everything else isn't at rest. Um, And so it is going to, if you have heartburn, indigestion, belly aches, um, tummy aches, and we hear this a lot from our kids when they're stressed, um, it makes perfect sense because the digestive system gets very implicated. um, I remember when I was in graduate school, I had really bad acid reflux and now I know why. Yes. Yes, oh, absolutely. <laughs> and terrible sleep patterns, probably, because sleep yeah. and oh, yeah. are the two biggest disrupted systems. So, yep. yeah. Yep. Um, and they're always my biggest red flag. So I always, when a family comes to me, I do a lot of work. So I have a private practice as well. I do a lot of work with adolescents and young people and their families. I do a lot of family work. Um, and that's one of the things I ask first about what are your sleep patterns like? What are eating patterns like? Because often I can find a lot of clues within there that the family system might be stressed. Um, so if we're not at rest and digest, um, and we've seen over the past several years with what we've all been through, um, with the pandemic and, um, everything that it's brought with it, that this window of rest and digest should be about here. And it's been, it's shrunk. It's a little bit smaller for all of us, um, because we've just spent so much time being stressed. The beautiful part about the human brain, which you probably also know if you're a brain geek like me, is the human brain has neuroplasticity. So just because it's shrunk over the past couple of years doesn't mean we can't expand it as well. So um, that's good. That's a really great part. Yeah, it's a really beautiful part. Yes. <laughs> we just have to work on it. And we're going to talk about yes. it. Okay, um, and so, yeah. Um, so, um, on the left-hand side, you see um, what looks like this same character in the middle who's at rest and digest has now been pushed into um, what we call hyperarousal, which is fight or flight. So you can see her kind of running away from the situation, which is a lot of our reactions when we get really stressed. Either we physically run away or we feel like, um, I don't know if you've ever had that feeling where your body feels so agitated, like you just want to get out of the situation. Yes. Um, or, yeah, yes. Or 
comes out in aggression of some kind. Um, now, all of us don't slam doors like maybe my family does, but um, you feel like your fist might be clenching up. You feel your body tense up. So that is because in that hyper arousal fight or flight mode, we're um, producing so much adrenaline and cortisol that our body to re- quite literally get ready to run away or fight something off. Um our body doesn't really know what to do with that. And that produces certain symptoms um, like irritability, anger, frustration, crying, um, again, stomping, slamming doors, um, yelling, screaming, crying, tantruming. Um, so any of those over the top kind of emotional reactions, that's hyperarousal. Now, I'm sure there are some of you out there going right now, oh yeah, no, that's me. I definitely do that when I'm stressed. <laughs> are you a hyperaroused stress person? Um, uh, so if that resonates with you, that is real and there's a reason why that's happening. Um, so, um, or if that resonates for your kiddos, if you have a kiddo that becomes very overly emotional when they're upset as well, that's that hyperarousal reaction. Now, on the other side of the screen is um, our character kind of curled in a ball, um, head down, looking pretty sad or withdrawn. This is hypoarousal or freeze mode. So freeze doesn't always mean quite literally freeze. It means your body is shutting down in order to survive by reserving all of its resources. So your blood Mm pressure is going to drop very, very low. Your heart rate is going to actually slow down. Your breathing is going to slow down. Um, Because your body's preparing to uh, survive in a very different way. Um, And so that's what we're seeing here. And this looks very similar to depression. Um, Mm -hmm. It looks like we don't want to engage with others. We want to kind of shut the world out. We want to just kind of go to sleep or sleeping. And too much sleeping is often a sign of a stress response. Um, So shutting down in that way. Or I do see, um, especially some of my high achieving adolescents that I work with um, and also we do this as adults a lot, is what we call um, fawning or robotic compliance, where we're just like, Mm -hmm. everything's fine. I'm totally fine. Everything's fine as one of our legs is quite literally on fire. So um, so we do that too. We try to avoid the stress, um, pretend like it's not happening, but then it almost always bubbles over in some Mm -hmm. way. So this is the polyvagal theory. So check it out. Get some more information about it. I, I do really like it and it makes sense to me. Okay, last slide, like I promised, I just wanted to highlight, um, again, if you're having um, some, some stress in your life, some overwhelming stress in your life, there's systems that are most impacted by stress are sleep, eating, and digestion. So if you start to see disruptions in any of those areas, so sleep, having a hard time staying asleep, falling asleep, having nighttime disturbances like nightmares or night terrors, or sleeping too much, um, Usually it's to avoid. Uh, That might be a sign of stress. Eating, we either eat too much because we're trying to self-soothe or make ourselves feel better with food, or we're not eating enough because we're not attending to those social social cues, the eating eating cues, the satiation cues. Um, Also, I just read a really interesting study about um, hangriness. I don't know if anyone gets hangry Mm, out there. Yep, I do, and so do my kiddos. Well, there's a good reason for that. Our cortisol levels are um, inversely related to how full or hungry we are. So when we get really hungry, um, our cortisol levels skyrocket. 
And so it's all about glucose and cortisol levels. And so there's a real, again, a real reason why we get hangry. Um, That's also validating to hear that. Yeah, (laughs) right? I'm not crazy. Um, There's a reason why I get hangry. Um, So bring snacks. Always bring snacks. Um, Yes. And then (laughs) digestion. And so um, if you have a kiddo or yourself who's got some tummy troubles going on, you just always feel like you've got an upset stomach. Even we feel this in very small amounts if we're going to give a presentation or we have something that we're quite anxious or nervous for, right? We get that butterflies in our stomach. So all of this just kind of combined um, is... I find it validating. It makes me feel like, okay, there's real stuff going on when we start to become really stressed and go into that stress mode. So, yeah. Great. Thank you. I feel like um, something that I just have noticed in my life and just everything that I hear from people is I I feel like people talk sort of, um, you know, peripherally about sleep and make sure you sleep enough, make sure you eat enough, make sure, you know, you're exercising or whatever. Um, but, but it almost feels like it's just like, a, oh yeah, 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 I know. But it's true. You really yes. do need to. It's that yes. conversation I feel like needs to be taken more seriously or something. Yes. We need to change the message somehow. This is not just yeah, 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 yeah thing. Like need to like really address it. Yeah. And if you think about, um, if you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, another really great accessible um, thing to Google will really resonate with a lot of um, listeners, I bet. But Maslow's hierarchy needs is all about how do you achieve your full greatness, essentially. And you have to start the bottom part. It's a triangle. The bottom part of that triangle, the first step to achieving greatness is taking care of the most basic of needs. And if you don't do that, um, you can't move up the ladder. And so- There is very good, solid research, decades and decades of research around sleep and eating and just the basic needs needing to be taken care of because our brain needs rest in order to have that um, ability to have neuroplasticity and grow and change. Yeah, yeah, yep. Great. So how so how does so can you give some examples of like in someone's household, like how this kind of stress might impact everybody? Yes. Parents down to kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I always think about, um, you know, I, so I, I work a lot with the um, director of psychiatry at Dartmouth and he and I have become really good friends. And I, if I have a really um, tough situation I'm working through, I often call him and I did that for one of the families I was working with. I said, I just need some help. I need some strategies on what to do next. And he said, it sounds like you've got a polyvagal storm happening in that family. Mm. And I loved that concept of that image of that polyvagal reaction I was just describing, fight, flight, or freeze. If you're all having it individually as a family, you're all going to be having it as a family unit. And because our brains do play off each other. Um, so there's lots of really good research out there about mirror neurons, which are also mm-hmm. part of our frontal lobe. And our mirror neurons talk to other human brains, especially ones that we're very connected to. So our family members, um, all of our mirror neurons are very, very connected. Um, And so when we start to get stressed, meaning us as parents, our kids' brains are going to automatically respond to that. Um, And it's crazy. If If you were to spend a lot of time being stressed as parents and you looked at your cortisol levels, and even though your kids weren't experiencing that stressor, maybe it's a stressor at work 
work or, you know, yeah. it's adult stuff that your kids aren't necessarily aware of, but their cortisol levels are going to rise to meet yours. So um, our brains are very interconnected in that way um, and can play off each other stress-wise. So it is important. We as parents are are guilty of not taking care of ourselves very well sometimes. It's um, hard. <laughs> but if I can, yeah, it's hard. If I can get you to buy into doing some self-care for, for you, but also for your kiddos, because the more you stay regulated, the more likely they're also going to be regulated and you yeah. won't get caught up in that polyvagal storm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember that so much, especially when my kids were younger. I I just remember thinking like, oh yeah, this is, we're, we're all, we're all like feeding off of each other right now. Nobody is yes. helping anybody right now. No, yeah, no, yeah. no one's helping anybody. Yeah. yeah it's I remember it's one particular moment um, right after my son was born. So now, so at this point I have like a, maybe like a month old baby and then a three-year-old and then me. And then my husband yeah. was working from home and he came up from his basement office and the three of us were sitting on the couch crying. Yes. <laughs> he was like, oh no, what happened? Oh, no. And I, I don't like, think I, I even knew what happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 We all, I'm sure, needed a snack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. And probably yeah. a nap. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 I always start there. Uh, you're probably tired and you're probably hungry. So, yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah, yeah, we have a um, a strategy that we teach our clients that you, maybe you've even heard of because I don't think we came up with it. Halt. It stands for like hungry, yes. angry, or anxious, lonely, or tired, and it's yes. such a good thing to check in, check in on. Yeah. yeah, and one of the um one of the ways so we've we've already talked about a couple of the ways to stop this polyvagal response from happening in its tracks um, is to you know figure out basic needs. Is there some sort of basic need? Because if you're hungry, if you're tired, you will trigger that red brain response. Yeah. Whether even right. if like your amygdala picks up on nothing else in the environment. Um, unfortunately, your amygdala also picks up on internal cues. So even if you're thinking about something that's stressful, your amygdala will also pick up on that. So even if the mm-hmm. environment around you is as calm mm-hmm. as can be. Mm-hmm. So um so yeah, we always talk about that strategy, but also, you know, if you're like, okay, well know that they've got enough sleep and we don't need a snack right now. We just had a snack connection, human connection. So it speaks to that loneliness, like you just said, yeah. um, is actually the number one way to, um, decrease that red brain response. Um, cause if you remember the blue brain, you've got partial blue brain online. Um, when you're, even when you're in that red brain response and that, that blue brain is looking for, am I loved? And mm. if you're able to, to connect with someone, um, and it, it doesn't have to be very long research shows it has to be even 30 seconds of connection. So a hug, um, can, can calm that red brain, at least bring a little bit more of the blue and green brain back online. Um, I, I remember learning about that, uh, like she called it a 20 second hug in the book burnout. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, um, as, as one way to like close that stress loop. And so the other day, my son, had a really stressful morning before school and, um, and he was really having a hard time. And I was like, you need a 20 second hug. <laughs> Come here. Yeah. And he's like, mama, I don't have time for a 20 second hug. Oh. Like, yes, you do. You need it. You need it. <laughs> so I like scooped yes. him up. I'm like, just relax into me for 20 seconds. I think we lasted just maybe 10 seconds, seconds but I think yeah, it I helped. <laughs> 
I think that's funny. So uh, two thoughts about that. One is um, parents always ask me, but what if they're not wanting a hug in that moment? And I, and I, I, I get that. I've been there. Um, yeah, and it, yeah. I don't have teenagers yet, but I can imagine with teenagers, that's particularly hard. So sometimes yes. I say to my, I said, do you need a hug to my own kids? And they'll say no. And uh, sometimes I'll say, well, I need one. And that's not mm. untrue, actually. There's a lot of times where yeah. we're having some sort of um, stress response together and I could use a hug as well. And that almost always loops, almost always gets them. So, mm-hmm. um, but the other thing I wanted to say about that is I, I taught from the book burnout for several years. Cause I love oh, cool. that book. I love yeah, that concept. Such a good it book. speaks our, it speaks our language, right. Of like the brain yes. response to burnout. Yes. And, um, someone came back to me and said, you know, you talked about the 20 second hug and my husband and I have now decided when we get in an argument, we're going to stop and do a 20 second hug and then continue the argument. And nice. she said it works every time to deal with awesome. it's super awkward because it's a lot. If you actually time 20 seconds, yeah, it's so a long. long time to be in a hug. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was just so funny. I was like, that's a great story. I love it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, it's funny that that's 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 great advice. And I actually learned that um a long time ago when my daughter was one. Um, I was at I was in a mom's group and someone in the mom's group brought an astrologist to the mom's group. And she just did like little mini readings on all of our kids. And she told me, she said, yeah, it was very cool. She said, your daughter is not going to be a hugger, but she's going to need hugs. So you're going to have to tell her that you need a hug in order to get her to get the hugs that she needs. So I've, I've always used that for her. So Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that rem- aren't actually that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, and that reminds me of the article that we uh, talked a little bit about the last time you presented yes. um, the, in the New York Times article where the, the teacher, I think, asked, do you mm-hmm. need um, to be hugged, heard or helped? And yes. and I love that. And I love that she said that she finds that most people just want to be hugged, um, which yes. which shows, yeah, you do need that physical touch. Right. Yeah. 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 So most people in that, I think what happens um, when we become stressed is, or when we see a loved one being stressed. So as a parent, especially, I find this when our kiddos are stressed or upset or frustrated or whatever that big, powerful emotion is, um, it's hard for us to tolerate that distress because um, we love them and we don't want to see them hurting. And also it's upsetting to us. So we start to have a reaction that we don't like either. So it's really hard to watch that. And so what we typically end up doing, and I think I talked about this, is trying to fix because um, hu- that's what our human brain does. Our human brains are problem-solving machines. And so they like to be able to solve the problem and move on. But yeah. as we know, most problems aren't solvable. And yeah. so um, when we need come up against something that's not solvable or that's uncertain or doesn't have an answer, um, it does send that secondary brain, red brain reaction. Um, and so uh, as parents, it's hard to pull it back and go to that. Do you need a hug? Do you need to be heard? Or do you need to be helped? Because yeah, we jump yeah. to the helped part. And a lot of the mm-hmm. times when we're upset, we're not ready to be helped. Um, and I think yeah. I said this too, when we were um, talking uh, earlier is that um, men, dads tend to go to help even quicker. Like that's yes. the male kind of response. I'm sorry. Yes. That's your male brain. I'm sorry. Yep. Um, and so there are, they're the problem solvers. And so um, really helping um, just us as parents learn, asking that question first helps to slow things down um, 
to give that hug, to hear them out, to validate. Validation doesn't mean you agree. You can say, I'm sorry, you're sad. Sounds like you're sad. Anything like that, even if you think it's ridiculous that they're sad in this moment, (laughs) that could be up here in that internal dialogue, right? This is crazy. I can't believe I'm validating the sadness right now. And they need to be heard. And then you can get to that problem solving piece if they're when they're ready for it. And if you allow those first two steps to happen, usually then they're on board for, okay, let's move forward. How do we do that? And the easiest way to do that, I imagine, is if you are regulated yourself and if you're accessing that your frontal lobe and your executive function skills, you need that perspective taking and cognitive flexibility. Empathy, right? Empathy. Yeah. 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 So it's always okay to take a minute. Um, I I talk sometimes about the show Bluey um, when I talk to parents, and I don't know if you're, uh, we're a big Bluey fan in our house. And um, my kids are too old. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. You should watch it anyways. Um, I okay. Love yeah, it's totally entertaining as parents. But there's an episode where the mom and the two, there's two little girls and the, they're, well, they're all dogs, but um, they are, you know, it's after school very clearly. And, and the kids are like, oh, 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 and mom's making snacks and she's looking a little stressed. And the dad comes home and she's like, I just need a minute. And he's like, yep, yep, no problem. And so she goes and takes 20 minutes um, and chaos ensues while she's gone, but, um, (laughs) it's adorable chaos, but I, you know, it's always okay to take that time to say, I just need a minute to be able to then come back. And as long as you come back around and are fully engaged, Mm -hmm. um, so, and, and Dan Siegel talks about that as well in his book, Parenting from the Inside Out. He does a really Mm -hmm. great job of talking about engage. Sometimes you're ready to engage. You come home from work, you walk in the door, let's do it. I want to play Legos and I want to get down on the floor and I want to engage and I want to see all the things you did at school today. There are other times we come in the door Likely it's those times when our red brain's already been activated Mm, before we come in that door. Um, And we're just not ready to go down that path with our kids yet. And it's okay to say, I just need 10 minutes, set a timer and I'll be right there with you. And then just loop back around with them. Um, And that, that repair, that coming back around can be just as powerful, if not more. And such good role modeling for your kids that it's yes. showing them it's okay to do that. Yeah. So I have, have a, I have, have some a impulse um, control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our right. Society is, Try this. Our new society is on demand. And so yeah. if they have to have prolong that reward, it's super, super beneficial for their frontal lobe. So yeah. I have a friend who um, has shared with me that it's she finds it very difficult to take that pause. She um, she immediately yeah. reacts. She like immediately yells or immediately wants to fix something, and it's really difficult for her to just breathe and and stop. And so, do you have any recommendations for parents who might feel that way? Yeah. So some of us are naturally chemically made that way where we're just more reactive. Um, So I would say in the moment to try to take a breath, to try to remind yourself to that pause, hug, hug, hurt or helped, right? So just in that moment, trying to remember those steps. So that's something. um, There's also a lot to regulating when we're not dysregulated. So working in regulation to try to ease off that irritability when we're not in the moment. Um, so that's always something I try to recommend to parents get that regular, regular diet of regulatory moments and they don't need to, I don't need to be big. And I think that was something I needed to hear, especially during the pandemic is, um, you know, like I said, three to five minutes, if it's a regulatory activity, um, that you enjoy, whether it's taking a walk or getting some fresh air, 
getting sunshine or listening to a good song or a podcast. You don't need a ton of time. Um, and it can be less, 30 seconds um, or less if you're just doing that physical connection. So just trying to weave those in throughout your day to kind of keep that um, irritability level a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. The, baseline, the, keep the baseline, lower. Yeah, the baseline, right? We want to uh-huh. keep yeah. in that yeah, right. zone of tolerance there. Um and then the last thing I will say is it's okay if that's your natural personality or if you're in it right now, um, you know, meaning like maybe all three of your kids are under the age of five and you're spending yeah. a lot of time in that zone. Because what can be even more powerful is if you have that snap reaction in the moment is being able to come back around and say, I'm sorry, mm, I wasn't my best self. Yeah. And here's how we, how can we do better next time? And mm-hmm. making it about the we, it's about the pair, right? It's about that dyad of parent child. How can we do better next time? Um, and that is, um, it's so, so powerful, the repair. And it's also a really good role modeling of accountability. I just read a really good mm. article about we want our kids to be accountable. Um, and accountability isn't something that's naturally kind of within us fully. Yeah, we have to right. have that modeled and demonstrated for us. And the parent apology is so powerful and modeling mm. accountability. Um, that's really and then the cool. last piece I'll say about that. Yeah, that was, that was a cool article for me to read. I thought, oh, this is really cool. We want yeah. our kids to be accountable. We have to demonstrate that. Um, and the last thing I'll say about that is is changing the way we talk about apologies. And this is something I've been pretty, um, ever since learning this, I've really helped my kids kind of understand this. And as a family understand this is when we apologize, it's it, we don't have to say it's okay. There are times when it's okay. And we can say, that's okay. There are times yeah. when it's not okay. And it's, it's better to say, thank you for apologizing um, mm. because it makes it more about the weight of the apology and appreciating yeah, that than it is about right. the action that caused it. Right, right, right. Um, uh, something that I remember from your presentation during the pandemic, you talked about how repetition, like repetitive behaviors can be really calming to the brain. Can you share yes. a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, rep- we got repetitive, um, rhythmic uh any sort of anything like that um, can be it, it resonates with that bottom part, that red part of our brain. And that's something that we are uh, wired for as humans from the get go. So when we're in utero, uh, we're being regulated by our moms, right? There's nothing that we can do to regulate ourselves uh, in right. utero. So we're being regulated by um, certainly her body temperature her um, way of feeding us, but also her body movements, her Mm. rhythmic movements and her heartbeat. Um, Mm. And so we are pre-programmed to have that resonate with the most primal part of our brain. And so um, the brain scans that they've done to show when we do these repetitive rhythmic movements, um, how it engages and lights up that bottom part of the brain, shows us or demonstrates to us that that's really, that's the language of that part of the brain. So if we want to regulate that part of the brain, so that's why swinging. Um, So you see kids that are, you know, have those swings at school. So swinging, walking or running is so um, helpful. So they'll actually, there's been studies done where kids with um, speech and language delays, they'll put them on a treadmill and have them Mm -hmm. do their like activities on a treadmill and how much more productive they are because it's just regulating that, it's calming that red part of their brain and opening up the left side. Yeah. Yeah, So really cool. Um, Drumming, um, 
So anything like that. So if you can think of rhythmic and repetitive, anything, those two words um, are really, really regulating um, coloring. So even this emotion of coloring. So that's why some of these things really do work. So again, giving science to what we're told, right? There's Mm -hmm. like these coloring books, these adult coloring books and yoga and walking and running. And, um, you know, why are, why are these things helpful? Well, there's a real reason why they're helpful um, because it does resonate with that part of our brain. Right, right. I love that. It it really, truly does. And I've said this before so many times on the podcast and all of my clients, I'm sure I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But to, <laughs> to, learn, to learn about what's going on in your brain just um, helps so much understand like why I'm so like why I'm supposed to do these things to help myself. Right. And just knowing that why uh, really for me always motivates, um, motivates my like, just motivates me into in doing yes. those things. Yeah. 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 So as soon as like, as soon as I learned about how, and it never even occurred to me, but like, y- you have to practice your, um, so yes. whatever, whatever self-regulation strategies you use, you have to practice them so that, so that they're easily accessible when it's time to use them. And, yes. and, 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 and it didn't occur to me like, well, we practice walking so that walking is easily accessible to us when we yes. need it, or we practice anything like anything right. that we need to come easily to us. So right. learning that about about whatever self-regulation strategies that we need to use. Yeah, let's practice them. So I just like drive around doing the square breathing and um, and then it just comes so much more easily to me when I'm in a moment where I'm like, oh, you know, okay, oh yeah, breathe, right. right. You know how to do this. Right, breathe, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it's more accessible. I always say practice and have any tools that you might need to regulate. Like I'll go back to the coloring, have a coloring book and crayon, whatever it is in a designated place because you the last thing you want to do is be stressed when yeah. you're trying to find your regulation tools. Right. Where's my coloring book? Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the yeah. reason that is, and you talk about practice square breathing, um, just to go, and we'll do one more geeky brain thing, but um, neuronal development is, um, you know, it's uh, if you, you don't use it, you lose it. So if you don't use parts of your brain, they actually will, um, your uh, brain will prune that area mm-hmm. of your brain. Um, and so we definitely want the brain pruning what we want it to prune and not pruning other things. But um, neurons, we say neurons that fire together, wire together. So the more we use a neuronal pathway like square breathing, the more wired it becomes and more quick and, and accessible. This is why we practice tying our shoes. We practice riding our bikes, you know, as kids. There's lots of examples of that neuronal development of creating that pathway that's quite clunky at first. And then the more you use it, it becomes lightning fast because it's well-oiled machine. Um, mm-hmm. And so you want that to be true for your coping skills or regulatory skills as well. Yeah. Yeah. I give, um, both my kids play instruments and I, they're so tired of me hearing, hearing me talk about executive function skills and the brain, but I do remind them like you, when you first got that piece of music, you looked at it and thought I, my brain, like, I don't know how to do this. And now you can play it without even looking at the music. And that's such a good evidence that, that it is, yes, we do get better when we practice and it's so worth it to put effort into the things that we do. Yes. Yeah, and music yeah. is part of that rhythmic, repetitive yes. you know, regulation. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. That's why so yeah. many of us are regulated by music of some kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So you have anything else that you that's that you want to share with parents who are, might be uh, struggling in the moment? 
Yeah. I think the last thing I'll end on, and this is just something I I love talking about, because for me as a parent, I think it changed the way I parented when I learned this is all about temper tantrums um, Mm, and where they fit into this profile. So I think I mentioned temper tantrums are red brain reactions. So when our, we're having one of those temper tantrums, our kids are having one of those temper tantrums because we have we have them as adults. We don't oh, ever yes. stop having temper tantrums. That's a big myth. Yes. No, we yes. always have them, but um, they just look different depending on how yeah. much frontal lobe we have. But um, when our kids are having those temper tantrums, when I was an early parent, I was always told, ignore, leave them alone, have them leave their room. And what that actually does is create create this secondary panic response Um, Mm. because in that moment, our red brain is looking for um, hugged, helped, or, you know, heard. And so um, I always give the example of um, the first time I learned this about a temper tantrum, not to ignore, but to actually engage I tried it and I called, I called my colleague after this was all over and said, oh my gosh, it actually worked. It's not magic. It actually worked. So my youngest, um, he was about two, maybe two and a half at the time. And his name's Finnegan and he is fiery, Finnegan O'Reilly. And he fits that name perfectly. He's a fiery Irishman. And um, he wanted a popsicle. And I was like, oh yeah, sure, buddy. Go ahead. And he went into the freezer and we only had orange popsicles, not red popsicles. (laughs) full-blown meltdown. And in that (laughs) moment, his brain viewed that as a life or death situation, (laughs) which I'm laughing because as adults, we're like, this is insane. So what was I saying to myself in my, in my head, right? Internal dialogue. This is crazy. Um, But on the outside, I said, oh buddy, I know it's so hard when you only, only have orange popsicles and you want a red one. Um, I'm sorry. You're sad. How can we help this to go better? I got down. I just sat down on the floor next to him and just kept kind of saying those things over and over again. And he eventually crawled in my lap and was, he was still sad, um, but was able to then calm down. Um, and you know, when I, before I did it, I thought, isn't that giving in to the temper tantrum? Yeah. Right. Reinforcing it. Right. This is what we're always afraid of as parents is reinforcing it. Yeah. And no, giving into the temper tantrum or reinforcing it would be driving to the store and getting that red popsicle. Uh, In that moment, yes. all I was doing was giving his red brain what it needed to be mm. able to get that logic and rational thought, what little he had. Whatever he know, has, yeah. To come right. back online and be yeah, like, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, this is, you know, there's still popsicles, just not the color I wanted. And how can we move yeah. forward? So, yeah. Um, yeah. It's not perfect. It's not a perfect science. Um, but I, you know, learning that, I think to me, really changed the way I, I parented in those tough yeah. moments. Yeah. So. And it is so hard to, because we're also probably pretty if we're not, maybe we're just in our emotional brain, but we're probably also a little bit down in our red brain. So it's hard. We have to like get ourselves out of there to be able to do that instead of just yelling or just slamming the door and leaving the room. Right. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I found that reaction to be calming for me too, to be like deep breath. Yeah. Hear how crazy this is. Yeah. Just get on the floor. Right. Right. This is really hard. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes. You're saying it to yourself too, man. This is really hard. Yeah. I'm having a hard this. time. I'm having a hard time with this yeah. two-year-old. So. Yeah, yeah. I remember putting my daughter in. She wouldn't. She was tantruming for so long, and I was just losing my mind. So I ended up filling the yeah. tub, and um, I put her in clothed in the tub, and yes. she stopped. Yep. 
Yeah, because her amygdala <laughs> needed something temperature-wise yep. or sensory yep. in that moment. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we do the best. We do the best that we can. We do the, the time. that's right. <laughs> that is right. Sometimes they go in the tub clothed. <laughs> At least great. I made I the it. water warm. <laughs> At yeah, least I didn't exactly. wasn't like you're getting in cold a nice water. Bath, which is like a shocking <laughs> yeah. to our system. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Allison. Of this course. Is just, I mean, we know both of us could probably keep talking about this all day, but uh, forever. As I, yeah, yeah. People probably have places to go, or they have like yeah. regulating activities to go practice. I <laughs> hope so. Go practice. Your I hope so too. Activities. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, can you share with our listeners where they can um, find you and maybe some of your favorite resources that people might want to yes. check out? Yes, of course. I have a website that I'm super terrible at updating, but um, <laughs> it does have some good resources on it. Um, I, it's drallisonroy.com, all one word, dr, um, allisonroy.com. And then um, within that website, there's lots of different links to stuff, including my YouTube channel, which is where I save a lot of the good resources that I find. There's even a playlist for parents and educators. So um, check that out, uh, certainly. And um, yeah, and that's, that's hopefully some resources for you. Great. Thank you so much. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen. I hope you learned something new about your brain. And if you weren't a brain nerd like me and Allison already, hopefully we've convinced you to join the official club. We'd love to have you. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to some of the topics we covered today, and you can find the links to the slides that Allison referenced. If you know anyone who might be feeling the stress of parenting, wait a second, I think that's all parents, please share this episode with them. You can reach out to me at podcast at beyondbooksmart.com. I would love to hear from you. Please subscribe to Focus Forward on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a boost by giving us that five-star rating. You can sign up for our newsletter at beyondbooksmart.com slash podcast, and we'll let you know when new episodes drop and we'll share information related to the topic. Thanks for listening.